3: I'm all right, Tom. How are you?
1: Hey lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good <laughs> question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Podi, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner program.
4: Good morning, Tom. How you doing?
1: Hey, at least
5: I got the Tom part right.
0: Stay tuned, cause it's on now. The Tom Sumner program. Produced by the U.S. Department
6: of Health and Human Services at taxpayer expense.
0: I know this is a really hard time for everyone. We're facing a killer virus, economic pain, and all the frustrations of being cooped up at home. Believe me, I have two teenagers to deal with. But the worst thing we can do is let up now, triggering a second coronavirus wave that causes more death and economic chaos. What you're doing is working. You're saving lives So let's all hang in there, and please, stay home and stay safe. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
7: Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, I'm Tom Sumner, and we're rolling into the second hour of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. You know, it was just a couple weeks ago we were looking forward to 2021 and a fresh start, but... Things have started out kind of the same. It's still pretty tough for a lot of people, especially uh, restaurants and retail. We're going to talk about that a little bit with my guest this hour, who joins me by phone. He is the CEO of ZenReach. He's been on the show before. And uh, we're, we're going to talk about the impact of COVID on restaurants and, and retail and, and what needs to happen to uh, get back to normal or if we're, we're going to be... Uh, Facing a new normal and what that might look like. Anyway, we're going to talk about all of that with uh, John Kelly from Zenreach, who joins me now by phone. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Um, let's just for listeners who haven't heard us talk before, uh, John. If you don't mind, can you explain a little bit what uh, Zenreach is and and why you study the things you do, like with restaurants and and, uh, retail and how you compile the information in the reports we're going to refer to?
3: Sure. So ZenReach has a software layer that sits on top of local Wi-Fi. This is the Wi-Fi that's in a restaurant or shop or event space. And uh, we create a guest Wi-Fi experience that allows the guest to log in uh, with their email address from limited Wi-Fi and and. It also transforms the Wi-Fi into a sensor. Since your cell phone is set to ping for Wi-Fi every 30 seconds, we read that ping as a proxy for foot traffic. And now what we can do is we can compile the number of people going into our locations and compare that year over year to see how overall foot traffic is doing for the retail sector
7: when we've talked before john we've talked mostly about restaurants but you uh, collect this information not just from restaurants but from retail as well
3: correct correct we've got retail event spaces bowling alleys uh you name it on the uh on the spectrum of offline businesses
7: were restaurants hit harder by covid than uh than retail was or Does it depend on the the size of the retail operation?
3: Yeah, so if you look in general, there are two two ways to look at the data. There's one by vertical and two by location. Um, On a vertical perspective, restaurants were hit extremely hard uh, compared to retail, but event spaces were hit even harder. They pretty much went down to zero, so think of this as your concert venues. uh, they, uh, they've they had a really, really tough time, as you might imagine.
7: Movie theaters uh, fit in that category?
3: Uh, no. Retailers would be faring better uh, than both uh, event spaces and restaurants. Restaurants were probably second in the category of being hit hard.
7: But you would consider movie theaters to be part of retail and not part of event spaces?
3: Correct. But the movie theaters were also hit extremely hard. So as you can imagine, most of those were shut down in, in uh, most jurisdictions.
7: Um, how how bad has it been for restaurants, and are they coming out of it, or, or do we still have quite a ways to go?
3: Yeah, so restaurants are in a tough spot right now. Uh, they've been in a tough spot for a while. Uh, if you look back a year ago, so a year ago, January of 2020, they were actually doing well. Uh, restaurant traffic was up like 1% or 2% year over year. Um, things were going well, uh, you know. more and more people were out, and then in March, we saw a precipitous drop in foot traffic, it was down 60% nationwide, which to my knowledge has never occurred before. Uh, we actually hit a low point in April when foot traffic was down 75%, uh, an incredible number, as you can imagine. Um, and. Since that time, since April to about July, we saw a slow but steady increase in traffic, return to traffic, and we got back to uh, about 50% of year-over-year traffic. Now, that would vary by state. Uh, some states would see much higher returns of traffic if they had uh, no restrictions in place, like Florida and Georgia, and so they got back to about 70%. And then some states never saw 50%, like California or New York, where they had prolonged restrictions. What we've seen since July is that the traffic stayed steady up until about November, middle of November, and then started to decline again. And so we're back into a pretty tough spot where traffic is down almost 60% again right now.
7: I, I don't know if you've compared this, John, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you get a sense that, that those peaks and valleys in the, uh, in, in the foot traffic correspond with the peaks and valleys in the uh, cases of COVID as it goes up and down?
3: Uh, yeah, it's actually a, uh, uh, a reverse correlation. But yes, actually, we did take a look at this. We had one of our data scientists look. Uh, sure enough, the, um, the the percent or number of foot traffic that you see in a particular state is a leading indicator of coronaviruses. Um, So it's unfortunate that we have to make really tough choices between the spread of the virus and the opening of the economy, but that's what seems to be the case.
7: Now, the way you you track foot traffic at at restaurants, would it show any difference between um, an in-restaurant dining experience or a takeout?
3: Yeah, so it's a good question. Um, It depends upon the configuration of the client that we have. Some clients have uh, customized configurations where we can capture the takeout uh, order and so therefore capture kind of really what's going on, but um, in other cases not. So it's on a case-by-case basis whether we can capture that data.
7: Um, and, And from the data that you've been able to capture, um, is, is that an indication that, that most of the traffic has been takeout, even in some of the finer dining uh, restaurants? Yes.
3: Yeah, so what, what, what we can see is, while foot traffic may be down 60%, revenues for these restaurants are usually not down 60%. Uh, so that's an indication that there is online ordering or delivery taking place um and so that's fairly consistent like in fine dining uh, uh revenues are, uh, are down about 40% so there is uh that difference being captured by online ordering or delivery
7: and now what happens going forward we're we're into a new year i think a lot of people on december 31st were hoping that the that <laughs> that the dawn of a new year would uh Open up to a clean slate, but that isn't exactly the case. There is certainly some carryover. Our uh, restaurants still basically in the in the same place they were at the end of last year and and do you have any any sense of of how long that will continue?
3: yeah it's it's tough. it's uh, you know I, I hate to be the guy to talk about you know uh, the state of affairs when they when the state is uh, like this, but um essentially, yes, the restaurants are in a tough spot right now. Uh, they will probably be in the in this tough spot for anywhere between three and six months. Uh, I'm tend to be an optimist, so probably closer to the three month time frame uh, be, and your question was, are we in the same spot? I think we're actually in a better spot because most restaurants have been able to adapt and move more of their orders online and enable delivery, even if they don't have delivery people themselves, enable third-party delivery companies to uh, to um, take their orders. So I think, yes, from a from a foot traffic perspective, we're in a very similar spot. I I do see and I hope that most restaurants in your area have adapted and so financially we'll be in a little better
7: than they were um with restaurants um i've been reading uh from time to time that that many were threatened um you know by by looming closure and um a lot of places didn't survive the pandemic do you have any sense for uh you know a, a percentage of of how many uh restaurant failures uh, occurred under the pandemic so far yeah
3: so uh the estimates that i've seen and this is industry data uh uh, range anywhere between 10 and 15 percent of restaurants are either have closed or are likely to close permanently during this time frame which is a huge number you have to remember though Restaurants have a relatively high closure rate in a normal year, uh, and this is really focused on kind of the small, single-location restaurants. They have t- they tend to have a, a, uh, a, a relatively high failure rate for businesses in general, but this year certainly exacerbated. Them. And the, um, is
7: is there? A, it, it sounds like you were suggesting that the smaller mom-and-pop types didn't fare as well as as maybe some of the big chains, regardless of whether it was fast food or fine dining.
3: That's correct, yeah. The data actually shows this is across the board, and, you know, this isn't particular to restaurants. Usually in economically challenging times, it's usually the small ones that are the hardest hit.
7: Were the chains uh, better equipped to... um, survive the changes or make the necessary changes to, um, you know, be able to hang in there?
3: Yeah, in many ways they they have been. One uh, is, is the adoption of technologies. Um, usually there's an adoption curve that starts with larger companies or mid-sized companies that take on new technologies first, and the really small ones usually are, in many cases, the last to adopt them, and, and that will help. New technologies that help you understand who your businesses are, help you drive inst- or help, help you understand who your customers are, help you drive more customers in, um, cost savings technologies at point of sale all of these will help uh, will help businesses so that's one reason why they've done better. The second is uh, name recognition so people are more familiar with uh, certain uh, restaurants and chains than they are with the small the medium-sized ones, and therefore assume that they're open and still ready for those. And then, third is access to capital. Most of the large ones have capital to get them through, whereas the small ones may not.
7: And a lot of the restaurants have had to, um, and I'm thinking of uh, the more sit-down fine dining, maybe not fine dining, but but certainly in restaurant um, is their norm. Um, have had to take to uh, using takeout and delivery. In a way they never did before, um, largely because they were forced to close. They couldn't accept in-person visits or in-restaurant dining experiences. Um, Do you think that that's going to be? Is that around to stay, or will they drop those things once they can, uh, you know, pack the restaurant with regular sit-down customers?
3: yeah it's uh, i think the industry is undergoing some fundamental changes and one of them will be the adoption of new technologies uh another one will be the presence the omnipresence of delivery online ordering and delivery i think that's going to stay for a while i do not think especially in fine dining that it will uh, maintain the same percentage Um, that it is today. I do think people want to go back to the
7: in-store experience. John, I have to take a short break here. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? I want to get into some of the retail. You bet. Okay, my guest is uh, John Kelly from ZenReach. We're talking about the impact of COVID on restaurants and up next, retail. We'll be right back.
6: Everybody's doing a brand new dance now.
5: Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
2: Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show.
7: Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we continue my conversation with John Kelly, the CEO of ZenReach, about the impact of COVID-19 on uh, restaurants and retail. John, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through that.
3: Uh, No worries. Thank you very much.
7: Um, John, we were in the last segment. We were mostly talking about restaurants, and I want to stay with that for for just a couple of more minutes because the the report that you um, did and and uh, the the data that you've collected um, shows that in in some states, people are actually spending more at restaurants than they did back in January of 2020. Um, Washington, Utah, South Dakota, Alaska, Alabama, Nebraska, North Dakota, Indiana, Montana, Kentucky, Delaware, and Wisconsin all show increases in what's being spent at restaurants, while a number of states, including Michigan, show a decrease in what's being spent at restaurants. Is that, does that correlate directly with the type of response by that state to um, COVID-19 uh, for example how much of the time restaurants were supposed to shut down or is there something different about the people in those states in in their support of restaurants?
3: Yeah so uh, the, the general proposition here is fairly consistent. Um, the um, the amount of revenue, the amount of foot traffic that various restaurants or industries are seeing is correlated with the actions taken by the local jurisdictions. So, uh, I'll give you uh, a, an example. We we divided states into two categories for purposes of our analyses. One was the optimistic states, and the second was we call the cautious states. Optimistic states took very few, very very short lockdown periods, practically no restrictions on the businesses today. Uh, And for across the board, those states have seen foot traffic come back to over 50% of year-over-year averages. The cautious states by contrast, like California, New York, New Jersey, um, have all seen foot traffic stay below that 50% threshold. So there is a direct correlation between the two. When you overlay other third-party data, like transactional data, you have a little bit better picture that uh, restaurants and other industries are doing better than the foot traffic alone indicates. As we talked about, that indicates yeah. that there's either takeout or delivery. Uh, but it's um, it's still pretty tough out there. That's what I would
7: say. Well, um, Washington state, for example, shows uh, you know a, a January to January inc- an increase by about 26 percent. Whereas for the same period, Idaho is down forty-seven percent. Um, yeah. I, 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 how how are those two places different? Is it just the the way the the states responded, or the way that that people responded? What what makes such a big disparity there?
3: Yeah. Let me, Let me just say something about the data. There, it's not. Uh, it's not a true year-over-year comparison, so okay. uh, we have to. Uh, the, the data that we overlaid with uh, spending isn't a, exactly a year-over-year comparison. The foot traffic is a much better proxy. There's a lot of reasons why uh, particular jurisdictions may have a spend level that increases a little bit in any one particular place, but the real comparison should be on the foot traffic basis. And uh, to be clear, Washington State is down; it's below fifty percent as well.
7: But yet, they they there seems to be a, an increase in their revenue. Uh,
3: so there's an uh, again, uh, how you look at the data is really important. The revenue increases you have to look at on a year-over-year basis, not a January to um, a December basis, for example. Uh, because on any particular, like the fourth quarter is usually the highest retail quarter for any industry and restaurants certainly benefit from as well. More people go out during that time frame so it's it's uh, there will be increases on any given month that are seasonal they don't necessarily represent the year over year traffic trends which is really what we have to look at.
7: Okay, I, I got you. Now, now if we uh, refocus our lens to, to retail um, and I'm just speculating here but my guess is that the the big box stores are doing very very well uh, in terms of both foot traffic and um, revenue because they've been allowed to continue to operate whereas some of the smaller places you know the corner uh, uh, hardware store or or, you know freestanding boutique or something um wouldn't be doing as well is is that does the data bear that out
3: yeah so we we have data that uh in the retail sector is primarily focused on the smaller small to mid sized businesses we don't have any data on the big box foot traffic, for example uh what we've seen though is e commerce has really blossomed during this time frame. I mean, at one point, I think in April, e-commerce represented an astronomical 30% of, uh, of all transactions in the U.S. Uh, that, the normal rate is 15%, for example. And we're, we're, getting, we're returning to that normal rate uh, now. Uh, but obviously, when you're a big box retail and you've got brand name and you've had a website for 20 years and you've got efficient uh, e-commerce fulfillment capabilities, you're going to be able to service the e-commerce demand better than perhaps small mom-and-pop shops.
7: And largely because they were in many ways already set up to do it.
3: Correct. They've already been set up to do it. They've already put resources behind it. They're not scrambling to get these things in order. In fact, in many cases, uh, it can become a huge driver for their business. And now, since the movement has been online, they're taking advantage of it
7: um what about the the failure rate for uh for retail is is there a similar number of of small businesses that are folding or or that didn't survive the pandemic
3: yeah so um i don't have a specific industry data on non industry uh non restaurant sector uh but you will see um, if you look overall at kind of businesses, depending on the number of locations that they have, and so consider like the small ones as one or two locations, they do tend to, even in a good year, have a higher failure rate than the multi-location businesses. Uh, and it's um, it's very true that in times of economic crises, those failure rates will increase. Uh, what we see in our data is, Uh, close to 10% uh, may be canceling or going out of business and so you know those are high numbers as well this is a a, certainly a tough time when people aren't as uh, uh, don't have the same employment don't have the same amount of disposable income it's hard for them to patronize their local uh, shops and those shops are suffering
7: well and a lot of people have uh, lost jobs during Correct. this pandemic and and i just wonder do you have any sense john um again i don't want to put you on the spot because i don't know if you've looked into this or not but do you have any sense for startups uh, by people maybe that had to come up with some other way to make a living and how they might fare uh beyond COVID?
3: Yeah, well, that's kind of the beauty of the American capitalist uh, economy is that uh, we are uh, a society of uh, death and rebirth of businesses all the time, right? Um, You know, when one business goes out, usually that entrepreneurial spirit carries through and they create another business. And that's certainly going to be the case, as I see in 2021. We are expecting the economy to rebound. Uh, Most of the big banks are predicting fairly strong GDP growth uh, this year, probably starting in Q2, maybe Q3, but uh, very strong growth because the fundamentals of our economy are good, and that usually means more capital coming in. That usually means that entrepreneurs have access to uh, to the capital they need to get started on the next venture.
7: How much of an impact has uh, government stimulus had on the survival of um, both restaurants and, and retail operations
3: yeah, that's a really good question. So there's two stimuluses out there. There's one that checks that we most of us got in the mail, um, and we don't see a significant um, significant bump to the retail or restaurant business from those. Uh, they're certainly helping consumers stay afloat, uh, but not necessarily increasing their spend. And there's a second one which is called the Payroll Protection Loans that have been out there. They've had a huge effect and a huge benefit for the restaurants in particular in being able to keep more people employed. Um, and so those lasted for a few, several months in 2020. I think we're coming up. There's discussion of a new one being launched uh, very soon. Uh, those are really helpful in keeping employment numbers uh, higher than they would have been otherwise.
7: is the operations that that uh retail organizations and restaurants have had to adopt the the idea of um more delivery um curbside uh pickup and and some of those things has that decreased the need for manpower or has um have they just shifted what people are are doing for work?
3: Yeah, I think they it, it has decreased the need for the service people, for example. Right, if you're just doing um, curbside pickup and you don't need uh, three or four waitresses in your in your restaurant, so that's true. But it's it's really a function of the overall demand, right? When your revenues are down twenty, thirty, forty percent. You you really can't keep the same number of staff on board. Restaurants don't have huge margins, so they, they do have to make uh, unfortunate choices during those time frames. Um
7: is it primarily clients that that see the, the reports that you do, or is that made available to, say, policymakers?
3: Yeah, so we, we publish this widely. Um it's on our website. We uh, uh, we uh, distribute these reports, and um, generally, and that's uh, we don't want to we don't want to confine ourselves to just those that that pay us to get this data in, in the hands of everyone. So, yeah, you can come to our website and check it out, and we're happy to share it with everyone.
7: Yeah, and John, what is that website?
3: At ZenReach.com, dot com v e n r e a t h dot com.
7: And and we'll uh, we'll read that again before we wrap things up John but um what are what are the takeaways from the the studies that you've done can can your clients uh, use these things for making uh, business decisions or or ascertaining what's working and what isn't
3: yeah th- this is actually where we help our clients the most it's not just in generating kind of reports on foot traffic but it's helping our clients understand who their cl- uh, customers are Uh, and how to get more of those customers. Uh, We leverage the technology we have to be able to put an online message in front of a consumer, whether it's an advertisement or a email, know that the consumer has seen it, and know when the consumer comes back in. Uh, And so that is a unique set of technology that we bring to the market. And once you have those signals, knowing that somebody's seen an ad and has walked in, then you can optimize for who's actually taking the action. So ah, it looks like um, uh, people uh, under 35 responded to this ad better. Let's do more of that. Or it looks like the women responded better than men. Let's do more of that. So these technologies are really – it's really important, I think, for offline businesses to recognize that the technologies are out there to help them and to move away from the mindset that uh, – the technology is a cost and move towards the mindset that it's an investment an investment that will help them they either grow their business or cut their costs and that's what we're i think that's the big takeaway from all of this is those that have made the adjustments and adopted new technologies and have enabled delivery are doing much much better than those that have not
7: now with the um Oh, let's see. With the with the promise of of vaccination, although it's moving slower than hoped. Um, Are you there? Yeah, just a uh, just a second. Oh, I thought I had somebody calling in, John. Sorry for the interruption. Um, no worries. The um, What I started to say is with with the hope of people getting vaccinated, there is some sense people are hinting that that by summer things will be back to normal. Um, Is is that your expectation that we will settle back into the way things were before the pandemic? Or do you think there's going to be a new normal and what will that look like for for both restaurants and retail?
3: I think this by summer we will definitely be in a better spot. Uh, as the vaccination rolls out and people become more comfortable with offline commerce. I think uh, we'll see a return of traffic. Um, I don't think we're going to revert back to nineteen uh, uh, to 2019 right um, I do think that there will be there's a sense that uh, more and more people will participate in the online uh, sector, so more deliveries for restaurants more e-commerce those are trends that aren't going to reverse per se Uh, at the same time i do think that um, uh, those uh, offline businesses that develop new technologies are going to see a huge lift in many ways in what they're doing because they can market better they can be smarter about uh, optimizing for capacity lowering their costs so um, there's going to be benefits and detractions, you know, as we move into the the new normal. Um, but I do think that there's going to be a strong return of foot traffic. It might not be at the levels that we've seen before, and will be different.
7: What about remote work? Will will more people be working from home? And do you think that's a uh, uh, a trend that that had already begun and, and has just been hastened by necessity during the pandemic?
3: yeah actually I think uh I was actually had the good fortune to listen to Bill Gates a few few months ago, and um he said something I thought was really just positive. He said uh most of uh most business leaders are surprised at how effective we can be at managing teams from working from home and i and I would agree with that like I've been incredibly impressed by our team and how effective we've been you know, without an office, so I do think that trend will continue um I also think that most of us want to get back and have that social interaction of being in an office and probably a little bit of separation from our families uh, but, <laughs> yeah yeah I get that uh, but, yeah but I think the trend that trend will probably continue that will in all likelihood be in place
7: well John I, uh, I I always appreciate talking with you and and I'm fascinated by by Zen Reach and uh, um, the way you're able to help businesses uh, track and analyze their, their uh, foot traffic and their, their customers and, and learn more about them. Um, Once again, uh, let's, let's share with people the, uh, the website.
3: Yeah. Zenreach.com. Z-E-N-R-E-A-C-H.com. Feel free to contact us and we'll, we'll, we'll get you on the phone if there's anything we can do to help you.
7: And, and there are, um, there's are these reports available where people can you know just click on a link and and, and look at these uh, specifically and see where their states and towns uh, and and various businesses uh, fall in these reports.
3: Yeah, we have some reports. Uh, it's a good suggestion on kind of publishing like the, the the overall raw data. But yes, we have some reports on there. Feel free to check it out send us a note if there's anything you want to see and we'll try to get it for you.
7: Well, John, thanks so much for spending this time with me. I always appreciate when we get a chance to uh, update people on uh, on these various trends.
3: Thank you very much for having me.
7: Alright, take care. Take care. That was John Kelly. He is the CEO of ZenReach and they uh, track foot traffic for uh, clients of theirs, which include uh, restaurants and retail operations and they've been monitoring the uh, various changes um, in in foot traffic and, and spending at, uh, at their different client locations. Anyway, we will have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. <music>
8: Wanted to get some new girlfriends So I went and bought a Mercedes Benz A waste of money 8,000 bucks down the drain I thought the girls would get wild and reckless So I bought cultured pearls And a diamond necklace, a waste of money That cost me four thousand more They were returned, I got no girls They repossessed Both the car and the pearls I styled my hair just like Cary Grant's. Bought a pair of those new tight pants. A waste of money. Household finance took my pants. (laughs) The female gender I just Don't get it. Just when I'm out of both cash and credit, I found a honey. And this is what's funny. She don't need my money. She works for household finance.
6: Side. We're all in for a bumpy ride. I'll we'll see you on the other side. It's not the same without you here. I hold on to this phone so tight i whisper you a good night kiss I'll see you on the other side When I crawl out of my cage When the world is purified I will find you and I promise this I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side And I'll meet you with arms open wide See you on the other side See you on the other side See you on the other side And I'll meet you with arms open wide See you on the other side Hello there citizens Darkwing Duck here, and every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck
5: out. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. Separate yourself from others who live with you. Wear a mask to protect others. Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and clean your hands right away. Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. This includes things like towels and bedding. Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing or if you are worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov.
8: Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology. Engineering and IT services at Swiftlet.technology. The Program.com This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're
3: listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
0: Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
9: In the last few years, a type of meeting place has grown up throughout the country which is called a coffee house. There are many uninitiated people who have never been into a coffee house, I being one of them. Uh, we are seated now at a table across from which is a man uh, who seems rather depressed. Uh, uh, sir, uh, you, you are depressed. Uh... Uh, would it be getting too personal to ask you why?
1: I'm not pretty.
9: You are yeah. depressed because you feel you're not attractive. I'm not attractive. You're not good looking. No, I'm not. Well, what would you say, That's sir? That's I'm I... mainly
1: depressed. Well, may I may I
9: <laughs> may I say something to you, sir? Yes. You are a very attractive person. You're as attractive as nine out of fifteen people I know. <laughs>
1: You're very kind.
9: But you are. You're not you're an unattractive very, person. You're very
1: sweet. But I, I know the, the truth, and I face it every You're a morning. good-looking
9: man, sir. I'm not a man. I'm a woman. <laughs> oh, 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 I see. Oh, I, 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 I beg your
2: pardon. Uh, we'll,
9: we'll go over to one of the other tables now okay. and see if we can speak. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> Thank you very Bye. much, sir. Uh, madam. <laughs> madam. Um, there's a gentleman sitting here wearing a pair of Levi's, a nicely laundered T-shirt... Uh, Looking very much like an actor Uh, I might describe him as looking like a cross between uh, Marlon Brando and Joanne Woodward (laughs) I want to explain that You do have blonde hair May we sit and talk with you, sir? Uh,
1: If you are so uh, in your mind, too Uh, Yes
9: Was I right, sir? Was I right? Are you an actor?
1: Yes, I uh, have to be a uh, lesbian (laughs) I think,
9: uh, I think, I think, sir. I think you. Can I check you on that? I think it's uh, you mean thespian. Well, uh, is that what thespian? Thespian, actually. Thespian. Yes, yes. I'll
1: never get that wrong again. <laughs> uh,
9: sir, who is your? Who do you consider the greatest actor we have in America today?
1: The greatest actor America is Tallulah Bankhead. <laughs>
2: She's well, she's a, she's a great actress. Yeah,
1: I, I um, mean, I don't mean act actor-actress. I mean that she knows what she's doing up there, you know? Well, who else do you like? Who would you
9: pattern yourself after? I would pattern
1: myself after... I loved that picture, The Fugitive Kind. I loved it very much. Very much. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, so you're trying to look. I try to uh, be like Brando with my T-shirt and just look uh, very much like Joanne Woodward, who I love very much. I love
9: her. Well, you know, usually when people... I
1: also look a little like the producer. I love him, too. Producer. Exactly. Mar- Marty Giroux, Marty Giroux. He produced that picture. You'll notice my shoes are exactly like his. I love that picture yeah. that much well, sir, that I became everything in it. <laughs> I see. Sir, I think I made a mistake. You're not an actor. No, an actor but but I love to hang out here
9: okay well it was a pleasure speaking. well it
1: was a pleasure almost to be an actor
9: (laughs) well I've got to wend my way through the crowd Uh, oh good
1: luck on your (laughs) wending and goodbye if
9: I can do anything for you you just call upon me
1: sir (laughs) can I talk to you now (laughs) okay Okay. I understand you have to go to other people on the record I know that yeah Yeah. I know that I watched you before in the coffee
6: house
9: right, ladies goodbye so long I
1: hope I'm an actor
9: (laughs) We're going to a corner of the coffee house now. Uh, On the walls surrounding this table are many, many paintings. There's a gentleman sitting here with a palette, palette knife, some brushes, some oils, and I imagine that he is the gentleman who painted these
1: paintings. Am I right, sir? That is correct in your assumption. And the painting... uh... You are totally correct. Uh, The painting... And impeccably dressed, if I may say so. Thank you. Thank you very much. A lovely tie. Thank you. Gradually blending into the color of your suit. You are
9: always interested in color and design. Color is
1: my life. I am color.
9: Your name is... uh, What is your name, sir? Corinne Corfu. Corinne Corfu. You are Greek.
1: I hope I am Greek. I would like to be Greek, very much.
9: Well, that is a Greek name, and you have a Greek accent.
1: Yes. Well, then, perhaps I am. (laughs) Well, don't you know
2: your...
9: don't you know your derivation?
1: No, I do not know uh, my derivation. Gypsies stole me as a child. (laughs) A band of gypsies. And you were brought up where? I was brought up in the Persian Gulf, right here in Miami.
2: (laughs) the Persian
1: goat. No, it's a gypsy tea house. The rest is called the Persian goat. I would like to
9: talk to you about your paintings. Yes, you certainly know it's my life. Color and art. I love (laughs) art. They (laughs) are very unusual. I noticed
1: that... God bless you for your perception.
9: <laughs> I noticed one... You also... Uh, you sculpt, too, I noticed. There's Main... Some... Uh,
1: sculpting and painting. All the
9: arts. Uh, there is a, a metallic sculpture there that is very interesting. Yes,
1: metal. Metallic.
9: What do you call that? It's just a series of wires uh, in a grid-like effect. What oh, you do... mean above the door? Yes, what do you call it? Yes, that?
1: that's called the air-conditioning.
9: <laughs> yes. No, I... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, sir.
1: I did not uh, make that. Uh, no. The Fedders, the Fedders Company made, but it's very beautiful. Yes.
9: Your paintings are very abstract, I noticed. Yes, but
1: they don't blow air out. Okay. Like
9: <laughs> um, the machines. No. May I ask you about some of the paintings? Yes, First, they certainly made. That painting there that is entitled The Gull on a Hot Rock. Yes. <laughs> now, I don't see anything on that but a bunch of little specks.
1: Yes, well, I saw the girl on a hot rock from over five miles away. Uh, oh, I I was see. standing on a cliff. That's why I painted in the perspective, the three little dots.
9: Now, uh, getting closer, sir, I uh, may I examine a little more closer? Certainly, not too close. Yes, yes. Now, that is not paint, those dots. They look like, that's, those are flies. Sir. Yes, they are.
1: They're flies. But you didn't paint that. Those are real flies. No, I took them, uh, caught them in my hand until the air was out of their bodies and they died. <laughs> and then I, uh... You pasted them onto the- little dots of blue and put them on the dots and they represent the call on the rocks. I had to kill them. If I had not killed them, if they were not dead. And glued to my picture. (laughs) Then I have no picture. (laughs) fly away, I got nothing, Charlie.
9: (laughs) I see. In the dark. Well, I excuse you. What are you going to buy? Well, sir, may I ask you about this particular abstract? (laughs) Yes,
1: they're mainly impressionistic, -impressionistic, post-impressionistic, pre-impressionistic, and impressionistic.
9: (laughs) Yes, this one is more of an academician type of painting. No, it's not. (laughs) Well, for instance, it's very graphic, it's very
1: graphic. Yes, it's it's very graphic, it's very
9: graphic It's a draftsman like quality The spaghetti looks like spaghetti The limp salad looks like limp salad And the garlic bread looks like garlic bread Oh, oh,
1: no, that's not a picture, that's my supper (laughs) It happens to be resting on a frame And in my eating? (laughs) Oh, uh, that's my dinner, I eat that Oh, Uh, I'm sorry, sir
9: Do you like,
1: wait a minute do you really like it?
9: Well, it is. Do you think it looks like the a, composition is a collage? Rather... Of a... Yes, I thought it was
1: thickly painted. I tell you what. <laughs> if you really like it, I can lacquer it up and give it to you for forty dollars.
2: <laughs>
9: no, I'm afraid. I'm no. afraid I wouldn't want to take your deprive right. you of your <laughs> supper, sir.
1: How about just a coffee and cake? <laughs> Maybe not for twenty dollars.
9: No, sir. Give I... me
1: a dollar and a half for the coffee. <laughs> <laughs>
9: sir, I'm really not interested. Give me forty
1: cents. You can have. All
9: right, here's forty cents, sir. All right. Thank you very much. Here's the
1: much. coffee and cake. Nice working with you. <laughs> yes. Sir. I hope you come in again.
9: I will, sir. God bless your guy. I don't want the coffee. No, sir.
1: you want the picture with the flies. No, you just keep it. Give the... me a dime. <laughs> I kill more flies. What the hell is it? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Goodbye.
9: In a corner of the coffee house, there's a gentleman sitting with a very, very strange instrument on his lap. Uh, Sir, may we speak with you? Hello. (laughs) Uh, What is your name, sir? May we get your name?
1: uh, My name is uh, Charlie Grape. (laughs) (laughs) Jolly grape. Yes. Uh, Do you perform here at the uh, coffee house? Yes. uh, On occasion, I do, and then they uh, they kind of get mad at me, and then I don't. I think I can get permission for you to play for us. I'd like. Can you? Yes. uh, (laughs) I I would. It's the first time I've ever gotten permission here. We'd certainly like to hear a sample of your music. Certainly, let me just get tuned up. I'm trying to find an A here. There it is, there it is. <laughs> got it first shot out of the box. Got my A. Now, what are you going to play for us? Uh, 22 men.
9: All right, for the record, 22 men. 22 men, here we go. Sung by Charlie Grape. Yeah, here we are.
1: <laughs> I get mainly A out of it. Don't <laughs> right. get more than A out of <laughs> it. 22 men fell down and hurt their knees 22 men fell down and hurt their knees 22 men fell down down to the ground 22 men fell down and hurt their knees Would you like to hear the release?
9: Do you have one?
1: Yeah Now 22
9: men fell down and hurt their- not a release, sir. That's the same as the, uh, Yeah. The
1: okay. Okay, how about another t- completely different song and a new tune? Yes, I... Like okay. Can you make it up on the spot? I certainly can. It's my best part. Make up. This extemporaneous. Ex- yeah, whatever. Mm. 22 German soldiers hurt their knees. <laughs> <laughs> 22 German soldiers... I think I you know certain that, certain tune. Yeah. It's very yeah. similar to
9: the other one. Yeah, well, How does it
1: differ? It differs in the fact that the first 22 men were not German soldiers. <laughs> well,
9: is this the enough? The second
1: 22 men are German soldiers. Well, it's the same, you, can you play it's some... same uh, that they hurt their knee. That's right. You caught me there.
9: Yeah. Can you sing that. something completely different? <laughs> okay. Completely different. You know, the uh, the Calypso balladeers make up songs right on the spot, topical songs. Yes, they can do. Can you do that? I'll
1: try to. Okay. Okay. 22 Calypso, man. <laughs> no, Is
2: mean, that what you meant? No, I meant something
1: topical. Something topical? Yes. I'll try something topical. Let's see what's happening in the world today, here in our great nation. Got it. Big Dick nicks and Hurt is me. <laughs> big Dick Licks
2: and Hurt is me. This was
0: another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
8: Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.